0: Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Dive into the mind of Brett Boone
1: as we turn to the baseball legend to find out what's happening in his life and around Major League Baseball. This is Turning 2 with Booney. Here's your host, Rich Rich Herrera. Herrera welcome everybody it's time for another edition of turning two with Booney. here on the boone podcast on the executive producer of this podcast rich rare along with brett boone Booney, uh happy almost spring training but i still got football on my mind type of year
0: yeah it's been a minute since we did a turning two but uh i don't know there's a little bit to catch up on big hall of fame announcement uh recently and uh Ready to go. We still got a All few right. more weeks. of football. Who's going to win? What's that? My guys are telling me Baltimore is going to win. It's going to be Baltimore and the 49ers in the Super Bowl. Baltimore wins.
1: All right, we'll start with there. I was going to start with the Hall of Fame, but if you want to go there, I can start there right now. Well, I know nothing about football. That's why I was going to go with that for you <laughs> just to begin with. All right. So what is your impression of the rest of the world going football crazy between the Kelsey brothers, Taylor Swift, everybody hating Brock Purdy. And now we're down to the final four.
0: I'll tell you, you know, Brock Purdy, who who came onto the scene, I remember I was at his first game uh, Yeah, where he came in due to an injury. They ended up winning the game, and he's been great. I mean, this is a guy, I don't know how how many expectations were had in San Francisco before his tenure began, but I think to hate Brock Purdy at this point, I watched the game last week. He wasn't his sharpest. But, but what he's done, his body of work, and it's a small body of work, but still, nevertheless, it's been about a year and a half now. Uh, he's done nothing but win. You know, his, his big M.O. is he protects the ball. He doesn't give the ball over. Now, this last recent game, I think, and I don't want to call it luck. They came down when they needed to. Right. He, he, the way he was throwing the football for the entire game, and you said, well, They got one more time with the ball, and he's got to run down and score a touchdown. It didn't look like that was going to happen. He did. I mean, those are the little things that's clutch that winners do. You know, he didn't have his best stuff that day. You know, I I liken it to a pitcher. I didn't have my best stuff today, but I found a way to win the game, get the ball into my bullpen's hand. Purdy found a way. So uh, as far as the hate, football is a different animal. The fan base is a different animal. So I understand that. Uh, fans are fans. They're gonna go week to week, and one day you're the hero, and the next day you're the you're you're the goat. And I don't mean the goat in a good way. So I'm enjoying watching these playoffs. But it's, but and, it's different, uh, Booney, because I'm different. kind of a Niner fan. I yes, always have
1: I'm, been. Yes. All right. I'm a Niner fan unabashedly. I I start the radio show with that on CBS all the time, just telling everybody I'm a I'm a I'm a Niner fan. So I'm not gonna be uh I'm not gonna be unbiased in any of this how do you argue with the kid who's going to two NFC championship games in his first two years? How do you argue with the kid? Me,
0: me as a rational fair-minded fan. I don't argue. Right. I say it doesn't matter what it looked like. The bottom line here, it's not about numbers and it's not about how many yards you throw for what your pass completion was, what your quarterback rating is. It's who wins the game at this stage. It's wins and losses. And so far, uh, he's still standing. So
1: it's just funny because we know you do this now that you're now that you're doing a podcast and you show up on uh, radio and TV all over the place. We have a pundit class in sports of people that get paid to be experts, former players, former GMs, those that want to elevate themselves to that position, and it's almost like they're all rooting against Purdy because they missed on him. He was Mr. Relevant, last guy taken in the draft. Right. And everybody wants to hate on him, like, ah, see, you know what? I was right. It's a, f he'll come back and be who we think he is.
0: Right. How about how about turn the clock back a few years when Foles came came into the uh into the forefront for the Eagles, ends up winning a Super Bowl. Everybody, oh Ah. this Foles guy, he's a backup. He stakes, he's this, he's that. Won him a Super Bowl. He can go back to Philly anytime now, and he's not paying for a meal. So the guys like that, the feel-good stories. Yeah, and I'm not going to sit here and say Purdy is is Dan Marino or or is no. Tom Brady, but I'll no. tell you what, he's doing a hell of a job. But but uh, you
1: bring up something, and that makes me mad, and I get mad on the radio when people do this. You know, he's no John, Joe Montana. Great. There's only is? one Joe Montana. Who right. is? Right? right? There's only going to be one GOAT. There's only one Jordan. And for us to compare anybody else to Jordan is a fool's errand. There's only one Tom Brady. He's the greatest of all time. That's it. So right. when people look at Purdy, well, he's not as good as so-and-so. He's not that well, that as good as Steve Young. Yeah, right. that guy's a Hall of Fame. So why, right. why are you comparing him to a to a Hall of Famer? You're not even comparing him to a future Hall of Famer. There was a number one pick for the Packers. There was the last pick in the draft for the Niners, and the Niners advanced, and the guy who had the number one pick is getting a huge new contract. He's sitting at home watching Purdy this weekend.
0: Right. And he's one game away from going to the Super Bowl. So we'll uh
1: Okay, so let me ask you this. Rooting for underdogs, uh, I don't know many guys that get that go undrafted to make it to the big leagues, much less become a very, star.
0: Right, very rare.
1: How hard is it for a guy that wasn't drafted, undrafted, last pick in the draft, just to get enough momentum? to get an opportunity where somebody looks at him for real and says, I, I think this guy could play Well,
0: on the baseball side. It's it, there's a lot of politics involved um, when an organization drafts you high and they put a lot of, you know, a fine. They have a significant financial interest in resources. You, obvi- They've committed right. resources. Obviously you're going to get chance after chance, after chance, you're going to have to prove to them. You ain't got it. And, and it's not going to be one time. It's not a one and done. Uh, they're going to give you every chance in the world to succeed because they've got an investment in you. It makes sense. It's no different than in the business world. If you're a late round pick, they've got very few, uh, very little financial interest. in you. Or, right. It's kind of going to be like you're going to have to knock that door down and then you're going to have to knock it down again and then knock it down again. Because they've got guys they've got they've got financial interest in ahead of you. That they 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 need to answer to their bosses. Why'd you give this, you know, this draft pick a million dollars? You gave this one ten thousand and and the ten thousand is knocking on the million. Well, the guy that made that choice, he, he's got he's got to be right in this situation. So he's gonna give that million dollar guy every chance in the world. That ten thousand guy he's got he's on the outskirts. Maybe he's only at the beginning playing three, four days a week. But ball players, great ball players in the end, will come through. And, and it becomes obvious as your professional life goes on, but definitely if you're not a high draft pick, um, if you go undrafted, and non, a non-drafted free agent, your backs against the wall going into your professional career, right? And you're not, you're not going to have to just show them you're a pretty good player. You're going to have to open their eyes. And, and, and like I said, I, I look at it as, you know, I kind of compare it a little bit to winning awards once you're a major league player. It's like the first gold glove I ever won, man, I should have won one three years before that in my mind. But there was a perennial guy that was winning it at the time, Craig Bijou. And it's like I had to knock him down and then knock him down again. And finally, I knocked him down again to win my first gold glove. That's what you've got to do in the draft, in the in when you're a minor league player. It's no different. It's like, all right, prove to me. Here's an opportunity, son. Now go get it done. And uh, it's it's the way sports is. But I think it's the way life is. If anybody hires a CEO for a company is paying millions of dollars a year and that guy low on the totem pole, well, I've got all my investment in the, in this CEO. You're going to have to prove to me, why should I take you? And it's not going to just be, I see something in that guy. It's no, prove it over and over and over again. And I think that's sports, but but that's also life. Um, yeah. Okay. And, and the, guy, the, the guys that, aren't the six 2 run like the wind, have a cannon arm, uh, but are just ball players to see them in the end when they make it. It's pretty cool for me. I always look at those guys and just kind of get a smile on my face. Like that's against all odds. And he did it because he believed he was passionate. The biggest thing is believing in yourself.
1: Here's the other half of this. We've had John Lynch on the program. <clears throat> Great general manager built one. built a built a heck of a team. John Lynch had to say, Jimmy Garoppolo, my established quarterback, Trey Lance, a guy I spent a bunch of money on, Sam Darnold, the former first-round pick that I brought in, I'm going to push all of you aside and give the job to Brock Purdy. Why is it that everybody thinks John Lynch is a genius on everything in football except for this move, that they look, why is he there? It's almost like people are going out of their way to do mental gymnastics, to do cognitive dissonance is what you call it when you believe in one thing, the facts don't line up, but you still will stand in your head to make it happen. I'm watching people still standing on their heads to say, "I can't have Mr. Irrelevant go to the Super Bowl." Well, I think, yeah, you know, I
0: think you summed it up a little bit in your opening when you talked about he was an against-all-odds guy. He was the local, he was the local kid, uh, wasn't a high draft pick. Got an opportunity, made good on his opportunity, and so it was a lot of guys at the very beginning when when Purdy first stepped into the to the role as oh this isn't our guy, right? And he did nothing but win and play good and protect the football, and and I think there is a little bit of a credence the credibility to what you said is all the naysayers that said no this isn't our guy this isn't our guy he's a backup quarterback he's this he's that. And then all the success that followed in this, you know, short term, like I said, short body of work. Now, all of a sudden, it started a few weeks ago when he had that four interception. Right. Game. I told
1: you so. I told you so.
0: Which is very unlike Purdy. That's not Purdy-esque. And all of a sudden, it started there. They lost the game. I mean, he was in the MVP race. Right. And all these guys saying, this is a backup quarterback. How can he be our starting quarterback for the 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 almighty San Francisco 49ers and now he's they're talking about him being the MVP that four interception game kind of squashed his his uh, his chance of winning the MVP but but it kind of there was a little bit of a chink in the armor. As athletes, we go through tough... He was kind of untouched until then. Everything was smooth sailing, and now all of a sudden, his first taste of a little adversity. How is he going to react from that? Well, now he gives the naysayers a chance to say, see, we told you, and I think there's a lot of credibility to what you said. And now they almost want him to lose so they can say, we told you he's stunk. We told you he's a backup quarterback. He should never be there. But in the meantime, what does he do? Good game, bad game. And last game, I thought he watching the game, he was missing receivers by four feet. Right. But what happened at the end of the game, he had a W under his belt. So I think Brock Purdy's smiling right now like this is, he's finally for the first time getting a taste of what it's like to be a big-time quarterback on a big-time team going to the championship game. And I think he's handled it great.
1: There's so many of us that do this for a living that you see on radio, TV, bloggers, all the rest. We think we know everything, and we think we're insiders. And I always say this. If I was really that smart, a team would hire me. And the fact that teams have hired me makes me better than all the rest of the talk shows in America. But we we want to take you inside the game. But, Brett, I you will slap me back into reality if I get too far over my skis trying to be an insider because I don't know what it's like to stand at home, play at Yankee Stadium. I know what it's like to watch you do it but I've never done it myself. I can give you everything of what it could be like, except for standing at home plate facing Randy Johnson. And we've talked about that before on the podcast. But one of the little things that I want to ask you about is adjustments, because I don't think fans understand what adjustments are. We know the word. We use the word. Oh, you've got to make an adjustment. You've got to make an adjustment. Teams have seen the scouting report on Brock Purdy the same way they'll see the the, the hitting, the, the scouting reports on Brett Boone on how you hit and what you're seeing well and what you're struggling with. They will make adjustments to you. And for Brock Purdy, if he's had this much success in his career, well, the other team's trying too. They're going to put together a scouting report to see what his weakness is and try to expose that and take advantage of it. The same way facing Brett Boone, and I see he's struggling on this pitch. I'm going to give you a steady diet of that until you show me that you can hit that pitch. Then I'm going to look for another weakness. If you have a hole in your swing this week, I'm going to try to expose it. Talk to me about what it's like when they make that adjustment and that challenge that we're seeing Purdy with right now because the challenge for Pur- that Purdy's facing is defenses are getting up in his face and he's not able to extend plays out and they're crashing on top of him. And he's not the most fleet of foot, so he's not running out into the flat. So they made an adjustment where they think they could cause some damage to him, and they've been successful. Now he's got to make that next adjustment.
0: Well, I okay, I think it's I think that's a lot baseball, to attack there, but you no, can tell i no, pretty I passionate. I, and, and I think it's football, Major League Baseball versus the NFL is apples and oranges because because baseball, from a pitching perspective, from a hitting perspective, it's one on one, so right. it's very individualized. Whereas the, the game of football is about complete defenses changing the way they come at you. So right, you've got to make, I, a, I get that part. You got to make an adjustment to 12 guys. Right. But I Okay. Mean, if so you want to take a lay layman, yeah, layman.
1: Well, I'm, a, I'm a, all right. I get to,
0: I get to, I get to the big leagues. I scuffle. I can only go with, no, my, no, you're
1: successful. You're, you're on fire. No, hold on. Okay.
0: I can only go with my personal experience. Okay. I get through the minor leagues quick. I get to the big leagues I'm the era parent. Uh first month and a half in the big leagues I have a rude awakening. I get some humble pie. I look up at after my first 30 games in the big leagues I'm hitting 197. I've never hit 197 in my life and triple A just hit 330.
1: Right, okay. So you go like right? Big you leagues have, is different, right? Big leagues is different. Now you have to make that adjustment.
0: I go into the spring training next year. I got a new skipper. He's tough on me. Man, I'm on the shuttle. I go up and down. Finally, midseason, I get an opportunity, and I'm the guy, and I play every day, and I have some success. Okay. Finally, for the first time, and it works uh, because a, a lot of guys get into this, and I talk to young players. You get to the big leagues through AAA the way you get through. And all of a sudden, you get to the big leagues, and if you don't have success, you've got coaches and front office people. You need to change this, change this, change this. This is what got you there. You've got to stick with it. I stuck with my style. I went into the 94 season. I hit 321, my first year in the National League. Doing it my way. What got me to the big leagues? Finally, it took me a while before I stopped listening to that outside noise, trying to fit in so much, improved everybody. I was a big leader. Just play baseball. I, hit, I, I, I had a big year in 1994 it was the strike season. I go to 95. I had a really good follow-up year. I get into 96 and 97. They start making adjustments. They start right, pounding me what, in. They start, now
1: we know what Brett can do. Right. In my
0: layman mind, I think, no, all my success has been this way. So I got to keep doing it. Well, they're proving that that's not working anymore. It took about a year and a half before <laughs> I hit my head hard enough. I said, I got to make an adjustment. And that off season, I remember after the 97 season, normally I start, you know, I go into, to my off season mode. And back then I wasn't a, I wasn't a big gym guy. This is now you're talking the mid mid nineties right. where, where the way we prepare for a season now is a little bit different back then. There were guys starting to get into weight training and stuff like that, but I didn't. And I would start my baseball activity the first of January. Well, all of a sudden now, after the 97 season, I've got to make a swing change. You hear it all the time. Right. In the PGA, a swing change, a swing change. Well, baseball players have that too. And I needed to go from a completely closed swing to I was going to open up my swing. That's not something you do on the fly at the major league level. It's something that you need repetition and a lot of it in the offseason. So all of a sudden that season ended 97. I took a week off and I started hitting. I hit for four and a half months because I was making a swing change. I took that into spring training, fingers crossed. Said I've never faced a big league hitter from, from a completely open stance, I've always been completely closed. It's new. Everybody's looking, everybody knew I made a swing change. So I felt the weight of the world and it started to work. And it started to translate from the cage. All my work in the offseason, it was translating on the field, and it started with inner squats playing against my Reds teammates, you know, and then all of a sudden I took it in the game and it was starting to work. And I started to believe in it. And that's what it is, it's results for us as players. When we get results, that means it's working. It started working for me and I was off to the races with a completely new swing. Now, twice more in my career down the line, I made swing changes again. You know, when I went mm-hmm. back to Seattle for the 2001 season, I, I had a similar approach, not as drastic of a change, but nevertheless, a change. I went from my elbows in to my elbows more out. Uh, and that made a huge difference, got me to a different level. It's constant. But the, the, the long and the short of it is as a baseball player, we constantly have to make adjustments. And the adjustments as a, always are. an
1: athlete, you have to make adjustments.
0: <clears throat> right. They're not always major. Sometimes they are. The 97 change for me was a complete overhaul. The 98, the the 99, the 2001, that was a little mini tweak. So it's like I had a major facelift, and then I had some Botox in 99 and some Botox in 2001, mini.
1: Okay, wait a second. But we always talk about, let's say, Brett Boone, or we talk about <laughs> Brock Purdy, and it's all on them. I don't know if we ever tip our cap to the other guy like, hey, Brett punched out four times. He didn't want to do that. Do I either say, yeah, Brett Boone's a bum? Or do I say, hey, that guy he was facing was really good tonight? No, I, I never see anybody I never see anybody give any credit to the guys <laughs> like, you know, Brett's no. out there and the guy's just throwing batting practice to him. Birdie's out there. The Packers aren't trying to 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 take his head off. Give some credit where credit is due, folks.
0: Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, and and the people in the know, the people that watch the game day in and day out, uh, they appreciate a, a great performance by an opponent. Uh, but right. the typical fan reaction is going to be, Brett Boone, you suck. And I believe me, I've heard that plenty in my life. It doesn't mean it's fun, but that's a part. When you play this game at the highest level, and it doesn't matter what sport across the board, you know what you're signing up for. You're going right. to, you're, you're going to have an opportunity to make a lot of money doing something that not too many people get to do. And there's good that comes with this. There's a lot of perks and there's some negative. And if you're not willing to take the good with the bad, well, then you're in the wrong occupation. Uh, you're going to have to be able to take the sling and arrows when things aren't going good. Cause you're making a lot of money to do a job. And when you're not doing your job, it, Part of the thing is you're going to get critiqued, and that's through the through several different. You're going to have professionals that analyze you on a daily basis, wearing you out on the radio, TV, the newspapers. Uh, but you're also going to have fans that that pay to watch you play and and put their butts in the in the in the seats at the ballpark, and they have every right to, to criticize whatever they want. That's I- that, that's the problem I have when somebody comes out and they're so angry. Oh, how could you do that to him? We know what we're signing up for. I've gotten booed out of the stadium and I've had
1: a. Wait a a second, though. There's so the kicker in Buffalo missed a missed a game time field goal. Right. There's got to be a line, though, Brett, people are sending him death threats. Well,
0: I never got death threats. I'll, I'll say that, but. I don't know. I, I I don't know. I've never been in that position. I mean, I can I? If serious. a, a if I, fans if, fans if get I saw mad you at, at you, the gas
1: station, right? If I saw you at the gas station and you struck out with the bases loaded, lost the game the night before, can I walk by and go, "You suck"? Is that out of line? Sure. You're with your kids. I think, you're you're with I think, your kids. You're think, picking up
0: rich. You're rich, picking I up I your kids from com- school. I think it's completely out of line. OK, but what I, am I going to do, do about it? What am I going to do about it? Beat his ass?
1: No, well, it's, I don't it's think part of the, I don't part think of that, that
0: cost of fame. I don't think that would be wise of me. Yes, it's out of line. And I've had people do that to me uh, in public. Not very often, not very often. But I've had some some snarky comments during right. some tough times throughout my career. And it's almost like I can't believe he would say that in, in this setting. I've heard fans in the, in the crowd for the most part, it's you suck. And you know, we're going to kick your butt tonight, but I've had fans cross on the
1: opposing team.
0: Yeah. I've had fans cross lines and I said, wait a minute, whoa, slow it down. You know, it's like, this is what I do for a living. I'm doing the best job I can. You as a fan have the right to critique me, yell at me, but why do you, you know, there'd be a line crossed where they'd say some things about your family or your mom. And and (laughs) it's like, it's Sue is a, a nice do, person.
1: Don't be saying right. about Sue
0: Boomer. Where, where do you where do you work, sir? Oh, I work at Nordstrom's. Do I come to the counter and yell at you and tell <laughs> you to talk about your mother? You know, no, different, I understand. Different.
1: All Nordstrom's big league
0: stadium. But I'm just saying it's out there. Yes, people are definitely inappropriate, unprofessional. Uh, but mo- for the most part, being a professional athlete, you hear the it comes boos, to the territory. You hear the cheers, but everybody pretty much doesn't cross that line.
1: You want to hear a quick story?
0: I I don't. Go ahead.
1: I was going to tell you a story about someone who crossed the line. Who? You want to hear it? Well, so, how much you know time how, we
0: got left on this podcast? We got to it's, talk it's about the Hall long. of Fame. It's not long. So Mike's you know, sitting backstage going, come on, Rick. No, this, get is a, going. this is a good Move story. Along.
1: This is a good story. So my dad was a police officer, right? You know that? I think I've told mm-hmm. share that with you before. So one day, I got to be about 70 years old. We're, we're in the in the station wagon with the wood paneling on the side in the 70s. And there was this kid, this punk kid that lived in our town that my dad was constantly having to get out of trouble, break up fights, arrest him, whatever. He's just a bad kid. And the kid sees us in the station wagon, me, my dad, and my little sister. And he comes roaring by us, cuts us off, flips us the bird. And then now he's playing chicken with our car, trying to knock us off the road. And my dad lost it <laughs> My dad chases him down. He's got a hot rod. We're in this we're in this station wagon, this family truckster. he chases him down the road, catches him. The kid pulls up. my dad says, sit down. My dad walks up. my dad was six foot four, grabs the kid through the window, pulls up through the window, doesn't open the door, pulls up through the window. It says, when I'm on duty, you can say anything you want. I'm with my kids. Shut your mouth. And he drug him by the back of the, by the scruff of the neck, stuck his head in the driver's side window of our station wagon and made him apologize to my sister and I before he let him go.
0: I like it. And and that's something, probably in that time.
1: Oh, that was you, a lot. You, now
0: you could do that. Oh, nowadays. I mean, yeah. you know, you, you can't, you know, you, you, you got to watch anyone. everything
1: you do. Anyway. All right. That was one of my favorite stories. I just thought of that popped in my head uh, real quick. One more thing on Brock Purdy. Brett, how tall are you? 5'10", on a really good day. So your entire life, your entire professional career, people have said, Brett Boone, how tall is he? It's always been somebody trying to knock you down. You play with your hair on fire. I think Purdy's a little bit more calm and um, uh, unemotional. You're you're the opposite, personality-wise. Tell me about that chip on your shoulder that you had and, and maybe the chip on the shoulder that he has that helps take you to that next level. when so many people say you can't.
0: Yeah, it, it is something that, that motivates you. You know, it was, um, when people tell you you're too small or, you know, and, too and, slow, and, 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 you're, and you're 17 years old Right, and it's like, I'm not even done growing yet. You know, I'm going to fill out. And the bottom line is what I'm, watch what I'm doing. You know, Gauge me against the the high school talent I'm playing against. Gauge me against these college guys. Now gauge me in the minor league against other players. Doesn't matter how big and and uh, you know how tall I am. It's it, how, how about me turning a double play against that guy? I turn it better, you know, uh, hitting prowess. So yes, I always. You know what I. You know what it got to me. I, once I signed professionally, and it was I was always known as this offensive second baseman now he's gonna hit he's gonna hit and they never talked about my defense and I always took a lot of pride in my defense and and that pissed me off too so that was another thing that drove me like no I'm gonna show you how good I am defensively I'm sick of hearing about my offense uh offensive second baseman when I was young in the minor leagues so I always used that as fuel I mean I was young and and naive and I had no idea what what being a big league player was about I grew up in the life but I, but I never knew what it was like when I was the player. My dad was always the player I was always the guy tagging tagging along but once <clears throat> I got into that and and it's like anything else it's it's experience it's repetition it's trial and error. I, I looked at that guy and I've talked about this a lot. I looked at that young player you know when I when I had a few years in the league and I laughed about my thoughts, what pissed me off, what didn't piss me off. I had a lot to learn, a lot to grow up. But I'll tell you, if I didn't have those little chips, maybe I wouldn't have gotten to where I was. If I didn't believe in myself as much as I did to a point of naivety, I believed in myself so much, maybe I wouldn't have been that guy that I was. So I thank thank goodness for that, that I actually had that. I was naive. (laughs) I had no idea what was about to hit me. But I was just I was as sure as anyone's ever been about what I was capable of doing and my ability. And and that drove me because I, I took the naysayers and said, I'm going to show you I'm going to be able hating. to do this. I remember <clears throat> I remember in my my rookie year, I just got called to the big leagues. And I forget who our first base coach was for the Mariners. And Ken Griffey Jr. was a big deal. I mean, he was just coming on the scene. He had a couple of years in the big leagues. <clears throat> and I remember at the end of the year, you know, Kenny that year, had hit like 30, 35 homers, drove in 120, hit 295. And he was still young. He was still 22 years old. And I remember telling that first base coach, I forget who it is. I said, one day I'm going to put up numbers like that. And he looked at me and he smiled and he said, no, you're not. <laughs> he, and he said it serious to me. And I said, right. oh, yeah, well, I'm going to show you. And one day I did. Uh, but but that's how sure I was of everything. I, I told him, I told Jay Buner early uh, who we're going to have on the podcast next week. I told him early in my career, what was he doing hitting in front of me? You know, Jay was coming <laughs> off a 40 home run season. <clears throat> and I thought I should be hitting fifth, not him. <clears throat> and that's just being young and dumb. Right. And having to learn and take your lumps and, and and earn your stripes. But that's how I was as a young player, just on fire and, and a bit out of touch with reality. But there's one thing I did. I believed.
1: Yeah, You have to. Otherwise, <clears throat> you have to be able to get past 100 people that want to keep you from reaching your dream.
0: Sure. And whatever, uh, whatever, whatever fires you up and whatever gets you to that point, <clears throat> we're all built differently. Right. We all have a different set of skills. Uh, but whatever we use to motivate us to get us to the next level, that's an individual thing, but, but we've got to find what that is and, and utilize
1: it. All right, let's move on to your dreams. Every one of us, that our parents signed us up for Little League. When, when your mom was standing there, when your dad was standing there, and they were paying the $4 uh, back of the day, the $250 now, and they got you your first glove. For one half of a second... Everybody, whether your last name was Boone or Herrera, uh, Johnson or whoever, that parent signed him up and go and thought in the back of their head, just maybe, just maybe their dream could come true, and, and this kid will end up in Cooperstown one day, just for a half nanosecond. Some, maybe more than a full nanosecond, but just all of us, just, just for a touch. One day, my kid might make it to Cooperstown. Well, this week. Cooperstown opened its doors for three players, and I want to get your reaction. Beltre, Helton, and Maurer are now part of baseball immortality. They're going to Valhalla. They are headed to Cooperstown. React.
0: Well, my first reaction to the the announcement was those are three very uh, deserved Hall of Famers. Um, Beltre, I got a chance to play with one year, 2005. Tremendous teammate. uh, Gamer. Uh, you can, y- he was a guy that could be counted on. Now y- you look at his numbers and his, his body of work. Uh, he's a no brainer first ballot. I mean, I think he's got the most hits in the history of third baseman hit 477 homers, 1700 ribbies. It was an obvious choice for me. I'd, I I knew that Adrian was going in and his body of work definitely does. He was a gold glove caliber third baseman, Right. uh, and a tremendous guy. So that was a no brainer for me. I knew that years ago Adrian that's an automatic once he's it's an automatic first ballot Helton's a another case Helton was a tremendous player when I played against him and I started to think about this just because you play in Colorado everybody wants to knock you down oh it's because he played in Colorado so if I'm draft if I'm drafted by the Colorado Rockies do you just okay now my chances of going to Cooperstown are over because of where I was chosen to play uh look at Todd Helton. I mean, he hit 316 career. Yes. What course field did it help? Of course it did. He was on base over 400 uh, for a career 414 to be, to be, uh, to be accurate. This guy was a great hitter. He was a batting champ without a doubt, Todd Helton. And I'm a big fan of the hall of fame. Get guys into the hall. Of fame. There should be so many guys, more guys in the hall of fame that are actually in there. Fans want to go to Pete. why. Fans want to go to Cooperstown. They want to see the greatest player. Why, why do you want see, it diluted? I don't want it diluted, but there are there are players sitting the outside looking in. Right. That 100% should be in there. Don't okay, tell well, get, me. Get to, get, get to Maurer, and then I don't want to get to the guys who didn't make it. Yeah, Maurer. Give, give me Maurer. Uh, one of the best hitting catchers, maybe of all time. He's got three batting titles.
1: Let's say that Auto- one more time. Just mark the tape. Say that one more time so everybody understands. What a compliment you're playing, you're you're paying to him,
0: Joe Mauer. Not only was he a great hitter for a catcher, he was a great hitter for a hitter. You win three batting titles, that's no joke, and especially doing it at the catching position, it's unheard of. So for Mauer, for me, it was a no-brainer. It was a first-ballot Hall of Famer. He, get, he snuck in with seventy-six percent of the vote. But for me, uh, you're talking about a Posey being a being a Hall of Famer in the coming years. Uh, you're talking about um, these guys that go into the Hall of Fame as catchers. Joe Maurer, are you kidding me? He's one of the greatest hitting catchers of all time. Maybe the best hitting catcher of all time. If we're talking about the Tony Gwynn type of hitter. Right. Uh, who do you want up there? Who Who is the best pure hitter? He hit some home runs. He wasn't a big power guy. But to win three batting champs. For me, it was it was over. Joe Mauer deserves to be a Hall of Famer, and there was a couple guys that missed that that uh, I still think one day will get in. The Sheffield thing was big for me. See him not make.
1: Okay, it. that's where you want to go. I was gonna Gary say, Sheffield's yeah. one of the greatest right. hitters we've of my Shef, generation. we had Chef on the field, on the program. It's ridiculous. Um, he's got sixty three point nine percent of the vote. React. Yes.
0: It's absurd. Gary Sheffield's one of the best hitters in my generation. Guy has the magic number. He's got 500, what he's got, 509 homers, 292 career. He's a batting champ, World Series, nine-time All-Star. For me, the Hall of Fame is about the players on the field. I know we don't vote, but the players on the field, we kind of have an inkling who's a Hall of Famer and who's not. I think if you went around and polled everybody that played during the time Gary Sheffield played, if you polled 100 big leaguers, 99 of them are going to say absolutely. And the fact that he's not in there, uh, I, I just, Why isn't I, I he don't in? know. Stupid stuff, reputation. Uh, I think he was linked to having some cream with bonds. Never tested positive for anything, uh, but was linked. Uh, Gary could be a little bit distant with the media. That shouldn't play any role at all.
1: A little or a lot?
0: Well, I don't know. I, I I never played with Gary Sheffield. I was never a teammate of his. I was never around him. I didn't watch yeah, him interact with we, the media. We, we, Who we cares? That. Rich, I'm not saying as a player that you should be distant with the media. I think media is part of your uniform. Like I'm a big league player. I make millions of dollars. I've got to be cordial with the media and be a good guy. That's how I look at it but it doesn't matter what I think. And it doesn't matter my personality. And I don't care if you're the biggest jerk in the world to the media. I don't think you should be Steve Carlton. Wouldn't even talk to the media, but if you do what you need to do on the field of play and you don't, you're not a felon. You should be in the big league hall of fame. And it doesn't matter how big of a jerk you were off the field. Politics shouldn't have anything to do with it. It's what did I do on the field for my time? I was in the big leagues. That's what you should be judged on. Now, there are certain, you know, you you have the Ty Cobb situation, the Pete Rose situation. Now, those are, those Those are,
1: are extenuating circumstances.
0: Those are different. But if you didn't do anything wrong, you didn't, you didn't, you weren't a felon. You were just a jerk, and I—I I, I don't think Gary Sheffield's a jerk. My relationship with him—he's always yeah, been great. But yours Maybe is Gary different. Always, There's your right, but I don't care. So, media. so you're not professional enough as a person in the industry, an analyst, a reporter, whatever you are, that you were so offended how he treated you. You're going to keep him off his ballot. Well, that's not being a professional to me. That's like giving me the ballot at the end of the of the year, which they do. It's called the player's choice and because i don't like another player personally am i going to leave him off my ballot absolutely not so i'm going to look and say who you know our typical thing was players choice awards for the season now i'm going to get my ballot and i'm going to go yeah i can i this guy i can't stand him but what did he do this year you know what he deserves it this year i'm not going to take that away from him cuz personally what i feel about him i think that takes professionalism away from the vote and i think if anybody doesn't vote for somebody because of personally how they felt or how they were treated however wrong it may be i think it's a lack of professionalism and you shouldn't have a vote if you do that
1: i've asked people how about that how about that rich
0: suck on that i think
1: that there's some gray (laughs) area in the middle of that as well i think that personality plays a lot into it and, uh, you remember Mel, I didn't Antonin? say it, do- I didn't say it doesn't play. No, no, I'm just I say uh, it shouldn't play playing. Here, here's my point. You, you, do you remember Mel Antonin, the writer from USA today? I do. Mel Mel passed away a number of years ago, but he was my partner on, on Sirius XM. And I asked Mel about this one day and he, 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 he let me have it pretty good. He said, you know, it's not, it's don't blame us. If you don't like the way that it gets voted as the BBWAA, he goes, then, then say something to the hall of fame, because the Hall of Fame entrusts us to be the gatekeepers of Cooperstown. So if you don't like the way we're doing it, fine. We're doing it because we are asked to, not because we want to. We are asked to. And I thought that was a very telling statement that I that I have to remember when it comes to the Hall of Fame. My issue is, was Sheffield a jerk to the media? Maybe. Uh, was Sheffield put up numbers that he deserved to get in? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but to me, it seems rather elitist, petty, or or something that you look at Chef and next year, maybe he gets in. Did Chef get better in the last 365 days where he never picked up a bat?
0: Well, the answer is no. The, the problem did, is, did Andrew Jones get better? Now. He's off the ballot now. Right. Sheffield's done done. I mean, he, he, he'll he get in one day. He's going to get a veteran. in one day. Veterans. Well, let me use
1: Andrew Jones for uh, a teammate of yours, right? You played right. Andrew. Yes. Did Andrew Jones, his first time out, he was like less than 10%. Now he's 61 right. and he's trending up. Did Andrew Jones just get better? Did I find a bunch of game footage of Andrew Jones that I'd never seen before that said, oh, I need to watch. these at bad? Uh, maybe I need to reevaluate Andrew Jones or is it a game within a game? Right. Like,
0: we'll let you know when we're we'll going to let you know you, when we think you're
1: worthy, like, I, I, like you're and, sitting and on high.
0: Right. That's that's ridiculous to me. And who, and I've
1: who gone, are the five percent that didn't vote for Beltre? Because I've got a rule. Right. That nobody can have one hundred percent. Nobody can get in with one hundred percent. And, and that's are there are five guys they set aside and say, guys, don't vote for them Just so we make sure we all didn't vote for them
0: Right. But it's absurd. those are games within the game. And to me, it's lack of integrity. You, you're there oh, yeah. to do a job. Yes, you're there to do a job. You're not there to set your own rules. I now
1: it's a flawed system.
0: Yeah, but but who has a perfect system? I don't think there is a perfect system. Football. My, perf, my perfect system is this. Canton does. My perfect system is this. And, and it's so complex that I don't think it'd ever get passed. First of all, no Hall of Famer can be on a committee because they're going to be biased. They're already in. If you're a Hall of Famer, you want less and less people in the Hall of Fame because it's more exclusive. So Hall of Famers aren't aren't on the panel, but you take in each individual career and they are judged by a panel of their peers. Now, you you have to have certain credentials to get on that panel and they vote. So so for a Sheffield, whether Sheffield's going to make it or not, you take X amount of players that played from 1985 to 2000 and they're the people that vote or not vote for Gary Sheffield. I think that's the way you're going to get the not personality is not going to come in. You're going to get the truest belief of who's a Hall of Famer and who's not. Andrew Jones, love Andrew Jones, one of my favorite teammates of all time. I've gone back and forth on Andrew until recently because I think of Ozzie Smith. Ozzie Smith, the great, the wizard. He, he changed the way shortstop is played. But when we talk about Hall of Fame in 2023, how, when's the last guy you said we got in for his defense? Brooks Robinson got in for his defense. The uh, wizard is an, most every, known. Everything
1: for, in the game is offensive. So all these right, words. But are, Andrew Jones, if there's off, an except,
0: right. if there's an exception, I think this is pretty, pretty baseball people in baseball wide players, coaches, front office managers that were there during Andrew's tenure. I think it's, pretty, pretty, it's a pretty popular opinion. Andrew Jones is the greatest defensive center fielder in the history of the game. So right away, if we're going to decide that, and I played with some great ones. I played with Cameron. I played with Torrey Hunter. I played with Ken Griffey Jr., the great Ken Griffey Jr. Defensively, Andrew Jones is the best center fielder I ever saw. Bobby Cox, when I played for the for the Atlanta Braves. And I've told this story before, right. looked at me one time, Andrew made a play and he looked at me. and said, Andrew, Willie Mays, my ass. Right. So, and Andrew was better than Willie Mays. Bobby Cox saw Willie Mays. So I'm going to put Andrew Jones into the Ozzy Smith category of Ozzy Smith reinvented the, the, the position deserves to be in the hall of fame. Andrew Jones kind of reinvented center field. He's the greatest of all times. And oh, by the way, he's also got 400 plus homers throughout his career. Right. That that's, he was no slouch offensively, but he's a different, he's the one guy I'll think I'll take and I'll say defense was the difference maker. Cause he was that good.
1: I'll poke a hole in your theory.
0: Well, you're going to be wrong, but go ahead.
1: Um, what type of historical perspective do you have?
0: Historical perspective on Andrew Jones, the player. No, 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 no,
1: no. On your idea of uh, having ball players decide who goes to Cooperstown.
0: There's none. That's just my personal way. Right. Because that's, I that's think,
1: why I poke a hole in yours.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh. Without a doubt. And I didn't bring that up to think it couldn't have a hole poked in it. Without a doubt, it could. But there is that's no my job perfect, here. Keep you right. Objective. There is no perfect system. I know this current system is far from perfect, and, and I've kicked it around with some players before. I said, "How did how did they get it right?" I don't think there football. is any way. Football. You yeah, like the football, football doesn't put everybody in a room. Yeah, put but everybody in a room. I'm, what I'm saying is, who chooses the people that get a vote? For me, the players know better than anybody else who is a is just a touch better than the rest of us.
1: Then you're talking and about not. you're talking about who's the best of your generation, not the best of all time.
0: The best of your generation—that's how you have to be judged. You
1: have to be judged. No, 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 your... no. If I'm judging who gets into Cooperstown, I'm talking about the best of the no, best. No, but the number—the
0: so, numbers Andrew change.
1: Jones, right. Andrew Jones has to be has to be said in the same sentence as Willie Mays right, to be but, a Hall of Famer.
0: But the problem is, is this okay? Numbers change. They—they they have the dead yeah. ball era. They have eras where hitting yes. was prominent. They have era where pitching was prominent. They had era where the ball was dead. Uh they had an era, Babe Ruth's time. Watch Babe Ruth swing. Could he play today? Of course not. In his time, could he play? He was out homering other teams. Could so you, you play to. in Babe Ruth's time? You, come on.
1: Of course. No, I'm just asking that question. Life goes on,
0: Rich. Baseball right. doesn't go backwards, okay? The players today, breaking what into happen, the game today, are to superior. Would you stop talking and listen to me? The players of today, The baseball players of today, compared to when I was breaking into the minor leagues, they're superior athletes to my generation. Okay. And in the year 2050, they're going to be superior to these players on the field. Life goes forward. It doesn't go backwards. Uh, Guys that played in the 70s, they were the best of their time. That's how they should be judged. If you dominated your generation, you can't compare Andrew Jones to Willie Mays. Andrew Jones was a superior athlete to Willie Mays. If we, if we put Willie Mays in his 18-year-old body and Andrew Jones 50 years later in his 18-year-old body, Andrew Jones is superior just the way it is. We've never seen Aaron Judge in a baseball uniform. You can't compare Aaron Judge to, to, to Babe Ruth, but Babe Ruth dominated his generation. He was the best of his time. Take it to football. Do you think the 1950 NFL All-Star Defensive line could line up against today's all-star offensive line. No, no. times have changed.
1: Got, got bigger, faster, stronger. I get that. Right, part. but again, when we're talking about Cooperstown, we're talking about the all-time greats. The right, U- for, be on that all-time team.
0: Right, but stats change. When I was coming up, what well, that's was the it? Eye test? It was about average. It was about home runs. It was about RBIs. If you were a speed guy, it was about stolen bases. That's how we were judged. Today, they're judged OPS. Different set of difference. circumstances. Well,
1: no, no, The no,
0: best player, here's the deal. The best player nowadays is in the leadoff hole, hits second. They're not going to be able to drive in 150 runs like we could hit in third and fourth. So the, the, the criteria has changed. The numbers have changed. What the current player is judged on is a little bit different than when I played.
1: Right, because the, the, the answer key has changed. But I could still, and I hate to say this because I don't want to give the the computer nerds any credit, they could still go by and look at numbers and try to come up with something comparative. When I right. take out the old school, you know, just because AJ uh, AG Spalding decided that batting average and whatever stats he came up with were going to be the most important thing in the world, it was just arbitrary. When Spalding, the guy who who sold the baseballs to the American League, came up with these stats that we've been married to them for 100 years.
0: But it, but it's rich. The reason you got to go generation generation cuz the game changes. Uh it, Ted it, Williams was one of the greatest hitters of all time and definitely dominated his era. But Ted Williams hitting in 2023 would be a little bit different ball game. The pitching's a little different now. now Guys don't go 9 innings. The fifth starter isn't expected to pitch eight. You got to face power bullpens okay. where financial uh
1: I get all that. I get all that. Finances Let
0: me, are putting the bullpens now.
1: Right. Yeah, we spend money on you bullpens. You got power right. bullpens. Wait a second. Hold on a second. I'm going to th- throw something else in there. Honus Wagner hit like
0: 427 while playing second base. It's so, impossible to do that in the big leagues today because of how it's set up. There is big time financial investments put into the bullpen and it's 100 miles an hour, 100 miles an hour, 100 miles an hour. It's not a number four starter, number four starter, number five starter expected to pitch eight, nine innings.
1: No, I get, I, I get that part. I, I just wonder, though, if I took Willie Mays and it gave him the same advantages of anybody else in modern times, what kind of beast he would be?
0: You never know, but we'll never know because they right. didn't have the the technology that we have, the right. training tools that we have, uh, I mean, the way Mays of life, life we have. Yeah, and this is by by the way, for all you listen to the Boom Podcast, this is not a dig on any generation. No. Willie Mays is the top five greatest player in the history of game, just all like Babe Ruth is. He's the greatest
1: ball player today.
0: Yes, yeah. Well, well. Wait a minute. No, he's not. Barry Bonds is.
1: I say Willie Mays.
0: Well, you're wrong. Barry Bonds is the greatest hitter in the history of this game.
1: Uh, Willie's Will, Will five tools.
0: I said Barry. But ba- I said the so greatest is, living. So player. is Barry. Ba- so is Barry Bonds.
1: Uh, I don't think he was. I don't think he had the the legs of Willie.
0: How many bases? Better, who, how,
1: how ha- many bases did he steal?
0: A uh, who cares how many tools you have? How, oh, does Brady's tools? Oh, I made you, st- I made you stop oh, for oh, a does, second. Does, hey, here, we'll go into your football world. Does Tom Brady's tools add up to Dan Marino's tools? Absolutely not. Who's the GOAT? Brady. Tom Brady. All who right. cares about tools? You can take your tools and throw them out the window. They have nothing to do with anything. What do you do on the field? Barry Bonds is the greatest player in the history of this game.
1: All right, let's move on. Unless you want me to just keep making you mad, no, it's it so doesn't make me mad. You? I'll no. just keep irritating you if you want.
0: All right, where are we going next? Come on, uh,
1: real quick. Uh, I got to find out what Boone's watching, what Boone approves, but I got to ask about a couple of uh, signings. Hater to Houston.
0: Hater to Houston. Uh, wow, he gets a five-year deal, ninety-five. Probably the premier closer in the game right now. My apologies to Bautista, that the gentleman that pitches for the Orioles that had Tommy John surgery. But he had a one-something ERA again last year. Um, he goes to Houston. He makes them the premier bullpen in all the game to me. You're gonna he's gonna be with Abreu uh, and Presley, who's been their bona fide closer for years. That makes to me Houston the best bullpen in the game as of now. That one move hater going there.
1: Um, Stroman to the New York Yankees. We just had Nestor Cortez on the program.
0: Stroman and the New York Yankees. I looked at that deal and I saw Stroman and the Yankees and I thought, hmm, I don't know if I like this. I got to see what the deal consists of. It was a two-year deal, $37 million. And when I sat there and thought about it, I thought, "Who's in today's today's salary structure, uh, it is what it is. So I, I don't think you can go on money. But to get him at, at roughly 18 and a half million for what he brings to the table, when, when right now you're paying 30, 35 million for number one starters, I'll tell you what, this guy's going to go to New York. He's going to compete. Uh, he's out to prove himself each and every year to the people out there that always uh, dismiss him. And he's going to be a number three starter for 18 and a half million in today's salary structure. I think it's a hell of a deal. He's going to sit there in the three-hole for the New York Yankees at the end of the day. I think that's a good deal.
1: Uh, San Francisco Giants brought Dusty Baker back as a special assistant. Good move.
0: Great move. Having Dusty close to the game in any capacity. And let's let's be honest. Dusty's his body works for itself. He's going to be a Hall of Famer one day. Right. But he's just staying in the game. Having him around is good for the game of baseball. I don't know how much input he's going to have, but I'll tell you, Dusty's just a great guy to have. He's just a great guy to have around, to be a part of your organization, to walk out on the field and for the crowd to see Dusty Baker, uh, let alone his credentials, what he's done, the knowledge he brings with him, just the smile he puts on pieces, people's faces when he's around. Definitely a great move for the for the Giants.
1: Um, just seeing Dustin in a baseball uniform is good for the game, right? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Uh, two guys that don't have uniforms we got to talk about real quick. Bellinger and Snell.
0: Bellinger and Snell. Two really complicated, complex situations. You got Snell is a two-time Cy Young Award winner, once in each league. Did it in Tampa Bay when, when the San Diego Padres traded for, for Snell years ago. Uh, I thought they were they thought they were getting that guy year in and year out. He hasn't been that. Uh, He's won two Cy Youngs. I don't doubt for one bit when Snell is on it, when when Blake Snell is being Blake Snell and everything is perfect and he's feeling good and out there pitching. He's as good as any, especially I'm going to say this. He's as good as any lefty in the game of baseball today. But you look at his body of work and he's got the two Cy Youngs, but the other years it's kind of like, well, what Blake Snell am I going to get this year coming off of Cy Young being, being out there in the free agent market, that ticket is big for Blake Snell. And when you're going to, that's why I say the Stroman deal was great. Two years, 37, but Blake Snell, you're talking about breaking the piggy bank and you're talking about a 200 million, $250 million deal. I think a lot of clubs are looking long at hard. yeah, if we know we're getting the Blake Snell of 2023 that just came off a of Cy Young award, oh, we'll pony up the 250. But I think a lot of teams are a little bit hesitant and don't trust that they're going to get that year in and year out. That's what Blake Snell. Bellinger, another another interesting case. I mean, this guy's got an MVP to his, to his name. Great player. I don't question the athletic ability. One of the best athletes in all of the game. He could play center field. Uh, he could play first base. He's won an MVP, he's had some big years in in LA. But then all of a sudden he falls off a cliff and hits 197 and and something else two years in a row, then all of a sudden last year he's the comeback player of the year. I think it's similar to Snell. If we're going to invest that kind of big-time money and we're talking 150, 200 million for a Bellinger, I've got to know what I'm getting on a year in and year out basis and Bellinger's career to this point doesn't prove that out. You don't know who you're going to get. I think if they say, are you going to get the Bellinger of a year ago that was playing for the Cubs? I think the deal would already be done. Or are we going to get the Bellinger of 2021-2022? Because it could be either one. I think that's where you're seeing the hesitancy for these top-line two big free agents.
1: All right, we've gone long here, so let me just get real quick uh, to what Boone's watching.
0: Boone's why wa- ah, I'm Okay, Netflix is starting to wear me out. I'm, I'm starting to get a little sour on Netflix
1: uh, fool me once. Well, wait a minute. They just signed the big deal to the. That's where uh, WWE wrestling is going. You're not going to end up in Raw? I, I, you know, Rich, what
0: I'm what what's important to me is miniseries, and that's all I watch on Netflix. Fool me once, Netflix, tremendous. Finished watching it a couple of weeks ago. We haven't had a turning two with Boone. We haven't gone over what Boone's watching, and now I'm watching two different ones simultaneously because I get frustrated at the one, so I change to the other one. It's not
1: a frustration of Boone today.
0: I started. I'm a big Renee Zellweger fan. I started watching What If. I Haven't seen Renee in a movie for quite some time. Right. This is almost unwatchable. the The plots that I have, but but once I get into a series, and I kind of have a a rule: if I finish. The first series, the f- the first episode of a series, of a season. You're in. And, and I kind of go, oh, this is going to be good. Then I'm in. Now, I'm in episode like four, and it's like, it's like pulling teeth to get through. I had to take a break. It, it, it's driving me. You know how you sit there and you yell right, at the right. screen because everybody drives you crazy? Everybody's driving me crazy. I don't like it, but I will finish it. What if? And then inventing Anna. The star of Ozark, the the trailer. trailer.
1: Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. It's
0: called Inventing Anna. It's a really interesting scheme about how a young lady completely faked her identity and and got high up and got a bunch of very wealthy people to give her money for her project. She ends up in jail. I'm in episode four. It's driving me crazy. The fake accents, all that. But I'm intrigued. It's a really good storyline. I'm watching it. But I don't like "What If," and I don't like inventing Anna. But I'm watching all both of them, and I'm going to finish both of them. Damn it! Fool me once on Netflix, stubborn, really, stubborn you are. Fool me once, four stars, Netflix. That's a good one. These other two, that remains to be you seen. Watch, next, do, next do turn two will we'll, will cover. Do you
1: ever sit and watch YouTube? No. You won't just sit and go down that rabbit hole?
0: No, I don't. Uh, no. you, I, you know what I do, Rich. I'm a TikTok I know, guy. I am a TikTok guy. i have a twelve-year-old that I get hooked on the reels. I do not and...
1: support the Chinese Whatever. Communist Party, so I don't have a TikTok. All um, right. do, what what's up? Do you ever watch old shows? Like rewatch them?
0: No, I'm a, I'm kind of a two and a half men guy. I watch. I watch Seinfeld. That that's kind of my old down memory lane. Uh, but no, as far as old movies, yeah, once in a while, if one's that good, I'll rewatch it. But no, I don't make a habit out of it.
1: All right. Um, time for Boone approved. You ready? Got it. So you've seen all the football games where we played in just crazy weather. They're shoveling snow in Buffalo right. and Baltimore and all the rest of that. So I had a caller the other day on CBS Sports Radio that said, you know, this is nonsense. We don't get to see who the best teams are because of the weather. His idea, all postseason games should be played in a neutral site where weather and the temperatures don't matter. Boone approved or not?
0: Boone, definitely 100% not approved. Uh, the Tell reason me why. You, the reason you get home field advantage is because you've earned it throughout the course of the season. It is the marathon, not the sprint. Your body of work over now 18 games in the NFL should reflect a home field, home crowd advantage that you've earned. So a neutral site what is the incentive once you're into the playoffs to play, keep playing hard and running your A level guys out there to play for home field advantage definitely not a proved bad idea football that's said, what it's all about that's what football's all about he said, playing why in the brother
1: nature get to the side
0: football's that that's how football's always been that's just what you signed up for. Baseball is a good weather sport. Football is not. It always has been. People know going in. If if you get to host a, uh, a home field advantage game in Buffalo in the frozen tundra, and you bring a team in from Miami uh, that's not used to it well, you got to play better and you'll have the home field advantage in Miami. But I think football, the way it's set up the postseason, the earning your spot, earning home field advantage, it's the way it should be not approved, changing it, Boone approved, keep it the same.
1: All right, a couple great podcasts we've had. If you get, didn't get a chance to listen, uh, Nestor T- Cortez came on, and Nick Chinook uh, from Wasserman Baseball, he's an agent. That, I've been telling everybody their brother, that's the one you have to listen to. That's probably one of the best podcasts we've ever had.
0: Yeah, Nick, uh, Nick is interesting. He really broke down the... the well,
1: he made uh, me rethink.
0: Right, he made me think. He, well, I, okay. I learned talking to Nick. I learned about free agency and the arbitration system and the nuances in the arbitration system.
1: Why, why, Really,
0: was was cool being educated on that.
1: Don't don't you learn stuff by hanging out with me every day?
0: No, I learned zero. I mean, and you didn't mention Dion. Prime time was great. I, I really enjoyed the Dion podcast. I haven't talked to him for like twenty years. Uh,
1: um, that was it was, good. it. was good.
0: It was cool seeing the soft side of Dion.
1: I thought that was outstanding as well. Uh, coming up on the podcast, we will have.
0: Uh, we are going to have Jay Buner next week for sure. And we might have uh, coach of the Raiders, Rob Ryan. So it might be Buner and a Rob Ryan next week. Uh, maybe a Jeff Saturday. So that's what we got in yeah. the hopper for, for our next few episodes.
1: All right. If you haven't, uh, please do us a favor. Leave us a rating uh, wherever you happen to get your podcast, Apple or here on the Odyssey app. Uh, Leave us a rating. Give us a review. Uh, That helps us uh, kind of figure out what we want to do next in the podcast. So anything else, Brett?
0: No. I got nothing else for you, Rich. Good catching up. Yes. Uh, Go Niners. We'll see you when we see you.
1: Yeah, that's it. We'll talk to you next time, everybody.